We are now pleased to be joined by Rob Carpenter, former NFL wide receiver. He played five seasons in the NFL, three of which with the Jets. Rob, thanks so much for taking your time out of the day and joining us. Hey, appreciate you guys having me on. Huh? I want to talk a little first about this NFL draft and it, it probably was one of the craziest drafts in my memory with all the trades going on and you know the New York teams picking at the top of the draft, picking some big-name people. What was the biggest surprise to you on how those first two days have gone? Um, I'm actually really surprised, man, the way that things fell into place for for the Jets. I mean, um, when you look at the positions that they picked and the guys that they got in those positions, man, arguably you have – you know, the, the top receiver in the draft, um, the top corner in the draft. Uh, you know, many people have made the argument that Jermaine Johnson is the top edge rusher in the draft. Mm -hmm. uh, you got the top running back in the draft. Uh, you know, and at this point, you have one of the top tight ends in the draft. You know, how do you, how do you make that happen in, in two days uh, when your, your first pick or your first two picks were in the top 10, but you've got 31 other teams that are picking, uh, you know, besides yourself? Um, so I'm, I'm actually really, really, really shocked the way things have, have fallen into place uh, these first two days for the Jets. Well, you mentioned the Jets, and a lot of talk coming into the draft was making sure Zach Wilson gets the weapons that they need. And the Jets picked up Garrett Wilson and Jeremy Ruckert, the tight end from Ohio State. So after the first couple of days of the draft, would you say that the Jets have taken a step toward getting Zach, Zach Wilson the weapons he needs to be successful? Oh. Oh, absolutely. Um, and right now, the way things stand, you know, it's not just this draft. It's, it's you know, the full offseason, the moves they made in free agency so far. Um, you know, Joe D and, and Sala and, and the rest of the front office, they're, they're basically being aggressive with what they want to do um, and trying to make sure that they put enough weapons around Zach, but also at the same time, you know, have a complementary defense um, because, you know, those two things go hand in hand. If you have a good defense, you actually get the ball back in good positions at a lot of times um, instead of having to go the full length of the field. Uh, trying to score um you get short fields at times when you know we can get sacks and, and and fumbles and stuff like that uh, a lot of turnovers take place and you know you can score points over that but they're being very aggressive man and uh you know I, I think uh you know for from last year i think the the ownership kind of bought into what joe douglas and, and Sala was doing um and this year they're fully invested so you know you see the the things that are made and they're looking for zach to take that next step and it's pretty much everything's going to fall, in, fall into his lap, you know, at this moment. Um, he has to take that that second-year step that everyone expects him to take, uh, including myself. And, you know, good things could happen, uh, you know, in the next few years for the, for the Jets. So if, if everybody stays healthy, um, that's also going to be a big thing. As a former wide receiver yourself, do you see anything in Garrett Wilson, you know, that, that makes him that good fit for the Jets? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, coming from the offense that he played in, and you see what he does after he catches the ball. You see what he can do from getting off the line of scrimmage. He has deep threat speed. Um, he has elite jumping ability. Uh, you know, he tracks the ball very well. So those 50-50 balls that, that tend to pop up in, in, in game situations, um, you know, he, he's made those plays time and time again at Ohio State. Um, so he's a guy that I knew the Jets were targeting uh, coming into the draft, especially if you see the things that they did, uh, you know, leading up to up to the draft and, and free agency when they tried to make those trades. So it just seems like they they were looking at top end speed and guys who can make things happen when they got the ball in their hands. And, you know, trying to make that that trade for Terry Kill 
you see that they uh, tried to make some other trades for some some top line wide receivers, even on draft day. They actually tried to, you know, throwing it again for for Debo Samuel. Um, so I know Gary Wilson was actually at the, the top of the list if they didn't make any trades. Um, so, you know, these, they just look for that guy that had, again, had the top end speed, um, can make plays once he gets the ball in his hands and could also, you know, uh, uh, you know, make plays on those 50-50 balls that, that are tend to pop up, uh, you know, in game situations. And you, you're going to see a lot of deep balls, you know, <laughs> thrown all over the field because we can't forget that Elijah Moore is still out there. Corey Davis is still out there. They upgraded the tight end room, you know, a thousand percent. So, you know, those guys are going to be making plays down the field. So it's it's all good right now for Zach, man. Um, you know, Brees Hall, they just brought in the top running back in the draft. Already had Michael Carter back there, who made a lot of plays for him last year. Um, that's a, that's a top-notch skill position, you know, group that you actually have uh, for Zach right now. You attested to this in your response, but the Jets, as you mentioned, were heavily linked to Debo, Debo Samuel. In the days leading up to the draft, came out yesterday that they offered the 10th overall pick and their fifth rounder for Debo and a second rounder. Ultimately, it didn't happen and it fell through. But even with the receivers that they got, do you feel that there should be a sense of disappointment after striking out on a talent like Debo? No, not at all. Um, that's that's swinging for the fences when you try to get somebody like Debo or Tyreek Hill. You know, those guys are proven. But with the draft being so deep at wide receiver, if you missed out on it, you know you had a chance to actually grab one of the top guys in the draft. So, you know, they were in a win-win situation either way. Um, so, you know, grabbing Garrett – Myself, I had Garrett Wilson and, and Jameson Williams actually at the top. So either one of those guys would have been good for, for the team. Um, at this point, you know, I, I figured they were looking at, at JMO as, you know, a guy that they were going to have to sit down or, or, you know, rehab for the first few weeks of the season. Um, and But they wanted to, to hit the ground running with everybody that they had that they drafted. So, you know, you can't miss with, with Garrett Wilson either. Um, so... You know, either one of those guys would have been good, and they just kept it moving, man. They, they, they had their plan in place, and, you know, if they didn't make the trades and they didn't get those trades going, they just would stick with the plan they had in the draft board. Shifting gears to the quarterback position, Kenny Pickett, the first quarterback taken off the board to the Pittsburgh Steelers at 20. Many thought Malik Willis could have gone before Pickett. He doesn't go until the third round, falling to 86 to the Titans. What were your reactions to the way quarterbacks were drafted this year? And where Willis eventually landed, I actually was a little shocked, man. Um, I didn't think those guys, uh, you know, any of the top three. I didn't think, you know, Pickett, uh, Willis, um, Carlisle. Uh, I didn't think any of those guys were actually going to go in the first round. I figured they would all go really early in the second round. Um, so I was a little shocked uh, that even after Pickett went twentieth to to the Steelers, that you know Malik Willis and, and the rest of those guys actually fell so far uh, into the third round. Um, basically into the third round. But I, I actually also thought the Giants were going to take a chance at, at Malik Willis, um, you know, simply for the fact they didn't, you know, take Daniel Jones' fifth-year option. Um, he's a guy who can probably – he's probably going to have to learn for a year um, before he takes uh, takes the helm at some point. Uh, um, but, you know, he, he landed in a pretty good spot with the Titans. Man. Um, you know, he can learn that offense. Um, it's it's not a heavy pass offense. Uh, you know, they, they picked up – uh, Traylon Burks, even uh, after they uh, traded A.J. Brown uh, away. Um, he's a similar type guy to A.J. Uh, you know, I actually had him high on my board as well because he's phenomenal once he gets the ball in his hands. You know, you know the, the yak that he has, and he's a big body. Um, he didn't run the 40 as, as well, but the film doesn't lie. When you look at the film and see him play, he doesn't get caught from behind, even playing in the SEC. So, and you know, those, those defensive backs in the SEC are fast guys. 
So, um, you know, you actually see him running away from a lot of those guys in the SEC. So, you know, he's, he's one of those guys that, that just has that football speed. But, uh, you know, Malik was in, is, in a, is in a good position, man. Um, you know, he, he'll learn for a year. He has a good running game in front of him that, you know, he can enhance with his with his RPOs uh, and, and his footwork out in the field. Um, he has a good arm. He'll, he'll be able to learn just for one year. And I, I think he'll take over the helm uh, within a year or two down in, down in Tennessee because for whatever reason, you know, I just don't think Tannehill is a guy to actually get them over the hump. Um, you know, he's, he's been there for, for a few years now. He's been steady. Can't say he hasn't been steady, but he's just not that guy that actually I don't think can actually take them uh, into the Super Bowl, uh, even though they've got a good team. You, know, you saw the way they ended the season last year. They were the number one seed, believe it or not. As, as good as the AFC was, the Titans ended up with the number one seed. And, and, you know, a lot of guys on that team, I think they were the most injured team in the in the league last year. So, you know, they've got a good staff down there, a good program. Um, and Malik Willis fell into a good spot. Yeah, I think we were all surprised to see the lack of quarterbacks that were taken throughout the draft this year. But we saw a lot of receivers uh, taken really early on, which I was also surprised with. Six receivers taken within the first 20, which is the first time in NFL history that's ever happened. What do you think that says about this year's receiving class? It's not only talking about this year's receiving class, it's talking about receivers going forward. Um, I don't, I actually, I wasn't shocked. I wasn't shocked at all. A lot of teams needed wide receivers. You know, you saw a lot of movement uh, this offseason with guys being traded um, and guys talking about they wanted to be traded. You know, you saw it on, on, on draft night. A.J. Brown moved, um, Hollywood Brown moved. So those two guys moved teams, you know, uh, before the draft, Devontae has gone uh, to, the, to the Raiders. So a lot of movement in the, in the receiver field itself. But that's the, the nature of the game right now. Um, it, it's quarterbacks and receivers. It's pass rushers and defensive backs. So, you know, when you, when you see the way the, the game has shifted over the last 15 or so years, um, it's, it's pass heavy. Uh, you have guys that are that are in high school right now, and most of the time, uh, those guys in in the spring, instead of doing other sports, they're out, you know, going to seven on seven camps. They're learning the the NFL game much earlier on now. Uh, so that trend is just going to continue to go up, um, and we see the money that has changed hands with the wide receiver market, uh, you know, this year, and that trend is going to continue to stay the way it is. Uh, you know the the, the free agent money that's out there is just going to continue to go up and it's going to be for quarterbacks and wide receivers, uh, you know, wholeheartedly from, from now on. You talked about how uh, the wide receivers have changed over the years. How has the draft changed since you were picked by the Bengals in 1991? And outside of how it's changed, what's that feeling of your name getting called and how that's something that's always going to stay the same? Well, the biggest change is the fact that back then, you know, the draft started at noon and everyone was geared up for it to, to start at noon. And it usually didn't end until around midnight. Um, so everything was pretty much done on that first day. And if they didn't get everything done on that first day, it was done, you know, early the next day. Um, you know, we had a few more rounds. I think we had 10 rounds about, you know, when I, when I was drafted. So, um, but like you just said, the feeling of hearing your name called, you know, is not going to change. Ever. <laughs> you know, if you're, one of those guys that actually has your name called in the NFL draft, you're in an elite group, regardless of the round that you actually get picked in. Um, you know, there's only a, a, a few numbers of guys that actually get their name called on, on draft night, whether it's the first round or the seventh round. And if, you, if you're in one of those groups of guys or one of those groups of guys that actually gets your name called, man, that feeling never changes. Um, you know, I'm never going to forget the feeling of, of my name being called. It was fourth round, but, you know, it was in the evening. 
Um, and I'm not going to forget that feeling. Uh, you, if, if you watched any of the guys actually that were sitting at home with their families uh, or yesterday, uh, you see it, the joy of everyone around knowing that you're, you're an elite company um, and you have a chance to do something that a lot of people wish they could have a chance to do. And a lot of people don't end up making it, you know, um, even though they get that, that their name called or even have a chance at free agency in the NFL. It's just a small group of guys that actually get to play this game. So, you know, you, that feeling that you have is always going to stick with you regardless. Yeah. So Rob, we, we know you've been linked with the Jets quite a bit throughout your career and after your career, but across town, I, I'm a big Giants guy. So I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, how would you say the Giants fared in their side of the draft this year? I actually think they did well. Man. Um, you know, one of my best friends is a Giants fan. And we had the conversation right after the draft. You know, he's like, the Jets did great. I was like, the Giants did too. You can't say that the Giants didn't have, you know, uh, their first two picks were, were awesome for them. Um, and again, even if Daniel Jones is not the guy uh, moving forward, the offensive line is pretty much solidified now. You know, getting Evan Neal was huge, um, considering everybody thought that he was the number one offensive tackle to, to come off the board. It was going to be him or Iquano, and they chose Evan Neal. Getting KT. That's huge. Um, they needed the pass rush. They got it. Uh, and, you know, he's going to fit right in. You know, he let it be known that he had spoken to Michael Strahan before the draft. And Strahan was going to, you know, be one of his mentors and, and you know, called him right after the draft. So, you know, um, that's that's big for him. Man. And, you know, to have a guy like Strahan on his, on his side and being able to mentor him throughout his career here in New York and how to handle the media and, and, and everything that goes with being a, a New York Giant, you know, that's huge. Um, and the guy has a lot of personality, man. So, you know, he'll, I'm pretty sure you're going to see him all over the place, you know, when it comes to, to media relations and everything like that, man. So, you know, I, there's no complaints about anything that the Giants did, man. They had that, their first two picks were awesome for, for them, man. And, and I think, you know, moving forward, that's, a, that's another team that's actually going to surprise a lot of people coming up this season. Michael Calamari, Brian Raybacks here talking with Rob Carpenter. Rob, when you look outside at the whole league, we talked about the Jets, we talked about the Giants, quarterbacks, wide receivers. When you look at the league as a whole, the draft, and the jobs people did picking uh, this year, what would you say the biggest winner of the draft is or maybe the biggest loser in regards to teams? Um, I can't really call any losers, but I can say that Kansas City had a really good draft. I can say the Ravens had a really good draft. And I could say the Eagles had a really good draft, uh, along with the Jets and Giants. Um, you know, Kansas City filled every hole that they needed to fill uh, right off the bat. Um, getting the receiver that they actually could 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 groom and come along. A lot of guys had him as a as a second round talent. Uh, you know, um, they got a corner. They had they filled the holes that they needed to fill. The Eagles, you know, getting that trade with AJ filling the holes at the, on the defense that they filled. Man, um, and the Ravens doing what the Ravens do. Um, it's just it's kind of crazy that every year you look at what the Ravens do other than grabbing someone uh, as a receiver, a big time receiver to help out Lamar Jackson. But, you know, you see what they do on the defense, man. And, 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 and it shows that they they look to the defensive side of the ball heavy to keep themselves in games and, and you know, win games when they can with uh, with their offense. If they end up upgrading that offensive, uh, you know, skill position, you know, the Ravens are going to be phenomenal, um, like they are every year. But, you know, they're they're really consistent every year. But those three teams, Kansas City, the Eagles, and, and the Ravens, I think, had, had great drafts themselves so far. Rob, we've been talking about a lot of different draft prospects so far with you today. But 
if you could narrow it down, is there any rookie in particular that you feel has the potential to make an immediate impact in this league? Um, yeah, I actually do. There, there, there's quite a few. You know, every receiver that was taken in the first round, I think is going to have an immediate impact. Um, I think Brees Hall for the for the Jets, the, the running back they took in the, in the second round, I think he's going to have an immediate impact. Um, I also think <clears throat> that even though it's it's you know it's 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 not a great pretty position that you that you see. Um, I think every defender <laughs> that was was taken from that Georgia defense is going to have an immediate impact. And the one guy that actually stands out for me is Lewis Seen. Um, I said from the middle of last season during Georgia's run that that kid is going to be a day one starter, whoever drafts him, and he's going to be probably the best player to come off with that team. Um, every time you turn on the film, that kid is all over the place. And during their, their run in the, in, you know, in the NCAA playoffs, it just showed up all over again. Every time you saw a defensive play, Lewis Seen was around the ball. He was either making a tackle at or behind the line of scrimmage. He was breaking up a pass. He was somewhere around the ball. And when he comes up, he comes out like a bat of hell, bat out of hell, man. He comes to get the ball. Uh, and he's, he's a lot faster than I think people thought he would have been. But, you know, all those guys on that Georgia defense, man, including him, I think they're just going to have day one potential to be, you know, immediate impact players uh, all over this league. Rob, one last question for you before we let you go. You're a former Jet, a Long Island native, grew up 10 minutes outside the Jets practice facility at Hofstra. You've also hosted Jets podcasts in the past. In what ways do you work to still stay connected to football and the Jets? Um, I live less than... 15 minutes away from the stadium right now, man. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm connected with them through, through the Legends community. Uh, I do some stuff with them during the season, especially on game day, uh, whether it's appearances here at the, at the stadium, uh, sometimes during the week, during the, during the season, there's other appearances around the community that I do, uh, you know, uh, with the name of the Jets on my back. Um, you know, I'm still connected to my Long Island roots as well. You know, I'm, I'm connected to my high school, uh, literally just had an alumni event there uh, two weeks ago. Um, I'm connected to the football team because one of my good friends is actually the head coach at my high school, my old high school now. So um, I'm connected through my old roots in, in Amityville on Long Island and, and, you know, and the Jets, to, you know, because like I said, I live less than 15 minutes away from the stadium. So um, you know, I'm, I'm, I stay connected as, as much as I can uh, during the season and in the offseason with the, with the team and with my old, old stomping around in, uh, in Long Island. Rob Carpenter, former NFL wide receiver. So much great insight. Thank you so much for giving your time and joining us today. I appreciate you guys having me on, man.